Has anyone ever broken you? Crumbled your heart? I've had my heart broken. Y'all are supposed to say, oh. <laughs> had my little heart broken. Yeah, has anybody ever done that to you? It's terrible when that happens, isn't it? Have you ever done that to anybody? It's different then, isn't it? It's not different. If you break someone, you ought to fix it. Welcome to New Life. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church, and I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. As you heard at the outset of the teaching tonight, we're going to be dealing with the issue of heartbreak. Have you ever had your heart broken? Probably so. Have you ever been involved in some kind of an interpersonal relationship that ends up with heartbreak either foist upon you or you do that to some other? Well, our text for this particular teaching is taken out of Matthew chapter 18. It's very involved, and I will say to you, after 40-some years, 42, almost 43 years of pastoral ministry, it seems to me that this passage is probably abused and twisted more or as much as any passage in the New Testament. I trust we'll do justice to it because we're going to look at it within the context of interpersonal relationships. It's a message we've titled, Agree With Me. Again, we're reading from our text passage is Matthew chapter 18. I want to read one verse in your hearing. And I'm going to read this from uh, the Amplified Version. And listen carefully to this, and we're going to jump right on into it. It says it this way, Again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, and here's where the Amplified comes in, are of one mind in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Man, what a great passage. I trust the Lord would help us with this. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now about whatever means, whether they're listening live or later. I pray in the name of Jesus that by your word you would speak to hearts. Lord, I pray in particular for broken hearts. And I pray for those that are broken because they have broken someone else and the guilt that's associated with that. Help us as we go through this time of teaching in your word to know and understand there is healing available on both ends. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19 should be appearing on the screen here momentarily. And it's from the Amplified Version. They call it the Amplified Version for a reason. And here's what it says. Look at this real close. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to look there. Again, I say to you, that if two believers on earth agree, and the Amplified adds, that is, are of one mind, in harmony, 
about anything that they ask, and again it adds, within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, I felt drawn to this in a very moving way this week, pretty dramatic way in many respects. And as I looked at this, I just unfolded this and began to pray over this. My prayer was, you know, Lord, just show me what this means. What do you want me to say Sunday morning? And I want to begin this way. The question that looms before us as we look at this verse is, does this mean that two random persons simply get together and whimsically decide to go in pursuit of some thing, whatever that thing is, and then they simply present this thing to God, and as a consequence of that presentation, God is obligated to fulfill their orders. Does all that run-on sentence make sense to you? Is that what this verse means? Watch this. Thankfully, and I'm going to show you why or tell you why I'm saying what I'm saying. Thankfully, that is not what it means. Otherwise, and here's what I want you to catch. Otherwise, we all would be in a state of perpetual confusion. What you talking about, Pastor? Just this. We'd be in a state of perpetual confusion if God, or as God, put forth to set into motion all the contrary and all the contradictory notions that the masses of humanity is able to fantasize over. Can you imagine if two over here got together and said, Lord, we're agreeing about blah, 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 blah. And two over here got together and agreed about something totally different. And two here and two there and two here and two there. Pretty soon we'd all be running into one another and just bumping heads. And it'd be the biggest mess you ever did see. But isn't that what we really kind of want? And that's what's portrayed sometimes from this verse. Now let me show you something that's either uh, uh, ever deeper level than what I just said. If you have your Bibles, you can go back to Genesis chapter 6. If not, it will magically appear on the screen. Verse 5 says this, The Lord, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. Now this is very early in the Old Testament narrative. God observed human wickedness on the earth. And He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. New Living Translation. You understand what was going on back then? You know the story of Noah, don't you? And the flood and what precipitated all of that, no pun intended. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Terry, that was back in the days of Noah. Man, this is hundreds and hundreds of years later, and obviously we are all a lot smarter than those folks. Amen? Go with me to Luke. 
Oh, I hate to pour cold water on your theology, but look at Luke chapter 17 and verse number 26. The record says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it will be in the days of the Son of Man, consistently and totally evil. If you do not believe that, I encourage you just to take a step back and observe what is going on in and around you in the United States of America today. Listen to some of the interviews when uh, some of these folks do these uh, interviews on college campuses, the man on the street, and ask them very simple questions like, who is the president of the United States? Oh, no. What day of the week is, oh, no. What do you think about this, huh? It's unbelievable. But you can ask them about something totally, I almost said stupid. I'm glad I didn't say that in the pulpit. And it's amazing what they know. Why? Because they're consistently and totally evil. Hey, without belaboring that, let me throw this back at you again. You've heard this talk from this pulpit over and over again. I believe it's true. I feel impressed uh, to uh, establish this as a foundation this morning. And it is simply this. God has a plan. God has a plan. This life is not without purpose and design. Pastor Terry, you better show enough have some Bible for that. Look at these Psalms. The psalmist realized this. Chapter 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. Americans don't like that word, do they? I will instruct you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. A little bit later, chapter 138, the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Notice the psalmist didn't say He's going to do every little whim I come up with, but the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Back up to chapter 33 and verse 11, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. It didn't end when David passed away. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart, of the Lord's heart, to all generations. Now, I know again you're thinking, Pastor Terry, that's the psalm, that's old covenant. Surely that doesn't apply today. Well, let me tell you, there are hundreds of verses that will back up, literally scores of verses that will back up what I'm about to say to you. I felt drawn to Romans chapter 12 because it says it pretty well. Chapter 12, verse 2, Paul wrote to the Romans and he wrote to the Ridgewayans also. And he says this, do not be conformed to the world have you ever considered how much we conform to the world? Don't we? Without even thinking about it sometimes. But he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That means you start out as a mess and you, you're developed into something really good. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind that by, look at this, by testing you may discern what is the will of of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. God has a plan. Now let me call your attention back to verse 19, our text verse. There's a key word there. I'm headed to number one on your study notes. Fill this in with me. That key word is again. Now if you're from Satspahaw, it'd be again. You leave the A out. Again. If you're from certain parts of the country, it might be again. But you understand, again, 
Without getting overly complicated, again, when you see that in a sentence, as Ernest T. Bass would say, when you see that, it expresses that the forthcoming, that which is about to be spoken, the forthcoming thought has been brought forth before, again. So in effect, it's like saying, pay attention. I've already told you this once, again. Now, suffice it to say, we have to contextualize what's about to be said here in Matthew chapter 18. And let me just say this by way of introduction. First and foremost, this relatively short passage of Scripture is dealing with the issue of prayer. Will you look at your neighbor and say prayer? I'll look back at them and say, yeah, the Bible talks about that a bunch. Prayer, P-A-Y-E-R, prayer. Watch this. For the Christ follower, the Bible, the Bible's illustrations, the Bible's examples, the Bible's instructions regarding prayer, that is our authority and our guide. Let me help you understand that. If you are a Jesus, Jesus chaser, that which I refer to as a Jesus chaser, and you desire to know how to pray, how many of you here this morning are Jesus chasers? Say amen. How many of you desire to know how to pray? Well, if you have that desire, then you can simply watch. This is simple. You can simply look into the story of Jesus. I'm talking about the Bible through and through, Old Covenant, New, New Covenant. You can look at that and you can literally unpack a multitude of instances where our forebears put prayer into practice. You can read the way they prayed. You can see where they prayed. You can realize what the, the mechanics of that looked like. And in many instances, you find outright word-for-word -word prayers that were prayed by Old Testament characters. Secondly, the backstory of this passage, the backstory is dealing with the issue of and you Bible scholars, when you heard me announce Matthew 18, you probably thought this is where I was going. But it deals with the issue of brother sinning against brother, meaning church member, really church member, a member of the body of Christ, a member of the forever family of God, a brother in the church going against another brother in the church, a sister in the church going against another sister in the church, something that never happens here at New Life Community Church. Just wanted to go on record with that. Can I get an amen? For the live stream audience, I just heard nervous giggles. Simply stated, when one believer engages in a sin that is either aimed at or purposed for, another believer, or does something that marginally affects another one. We're told here in Matthew chapter 18 how that infraction should be. Everybody say should be. That wasn't very loud. Everybody say should be. Should be. We're told how it should be rectified. 
Pastor, I've never rectified anything in my life, I promise. What in the world is that? It should, tell us how it should be rectified. In other words, how it should be put right. Fill in number two with me. I want to say in passing that whenever, if ever, we do something that brings injury to another. Now, let me see your eyeballs just a sec. This is a, a new life interruption instant replay. If you live long enough, you're going to bump heads with somebody. If you're married, you husbands, you're going to bump heads with your wife. You wives are going to bump heads with your husbands. I have heard stories of couples that say, we've never had an argument. And I'm like, wonder what else they would lie about. <laughs> One of you is useless, if that be the case. <laughs> if you live long enough, you're going to bump heads with somebody. Watch this. Those sort of things do not have to end up as a horrible, contentious, divisive thing. It doesn't have to. We bump heads. But beloved, when we do that, when we do something that brings injury to another, we are obligated to make it right. You know, the problem is, watch this, the problem isn't that we bump heads every now and then. Donna and I have been bumping heads for 42 years. Can I get an amen right there? If I could just get her to agree with me, everything would be okay. <laughs> the problem is not that people bump heads. The people is that people do not pursue making that right. Hmm? Now, the Old Testament, in particular the book of Leviticus, I would encourage you to go back and read that at some time. Leviticus is a very interesting book. One thing that it makes very, very clear is how that the fellow man reacts toward fellow man. Now, that's under the Old Covenant. We really don't live that way anymore, but it does help us to understand. We're not under that obligation, I should say, but it helps us understand how God thinks and how God has made provision for Times when we bump heads. Can you be encouraged this morning? None of this. What I hear every now and then, folks bump heads, do something goofy, and the next thing I hear is, that's just how I am. That's just how I am. And I'm always thinking, so you're a jerk? <laughs> and you're proud of it? That's just how I am. Listen, beloved, if that's the way you am, you do not get a free pass just because you am a spiritual knucklehead. Say amen right there. I used to go in a store with my dad every now and then, and every time he would get a hold of that little muscle right there. You parents, I'm trying to help you here. It won't kill them. They'll just think they're dying. He'd get a hold of that little muscle. And uh, let me know that he meant business. And he'd say, boy, don't you touch a thing in this store. I tried it one time. And he broke the back of my hand. I didn't try it anymore. I know you think I'm stupid, but I isn't. thought, I don't want that to happen again. And he kind of had this thing, you break it, you bought it. Have you ever seen a sign like that in a store? You break it. You bought it. That's fair enough, isn't it? You break somebody's stuff, you ought to, to buy it or, or pay for it or, or replace that some way or another. What about if you break someone? Has anyone ever broken you? It's crumbled your heart? I've had my heart broken. 
Y'all are supposed to say, oh, had my little heart broken. Yeah, has anybody ever done that to you? Terrible when that happens, isn't it? Have you ever done that to anybody? It's different then, isn't it? It's not different. If you break someone, you ought to fix it. And this passage is telling us how to do that. Now, let me just draw a line right there and tell you this. I'm trying to help you understand the context of our text passage. So the, the context of it is personal one-on-one -on -one sin and prayer. That is the backstory of this passage. Let me say this to you. The disagreement and resolution scenario, when two people bump heads one with another, when that happens, the resolution of that, the fixing of that should be centered around and based upon God's direction. In other words, when we, for lack of a better way of saying this sounds plumb goofy, when we foist a boo-boo upon someone, you understand what I'm saying? You kind of dump something on someone upon another. We do not just brainstorm from out of our finite mortality a scheme or a system to smooth it over. Now, we have a lot of people in our world today that try to do just exactly that. But without belaboring that point, I want you to know and understand, beloved, that God has already prepared a system. He has fashioned a system in advance for such occasions, and we should embrace that system. Fill in number three with me on your notes. Likewise, prayer, prayer does not and should not evolve from man's whims, but much rather from a clear understanding of God's will and God's way. Let that sink in for just a sec, right here. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, I understand desperation prayers. Do you understand desperation prayers? Sometimes you just get in over your head, you do something goofy, and you end up over your head in that thing. Maybe you've fallen in the ditch, so to speak, or veered off the road, and, and you just, you, you, we find you engaged in some desperation prayer. You just scream out to God, God, help me, God, I need you. I understand desperation prayers. I also understand elementary prayers. Say that with me. Elementary prayers or elementary praying. Pastor Terry, what in the world are you talking about? I understand those things, but let me just cut to the chase by saying this. Beloved, in due season, in due time, the saint's prayer life is to undergo a transformation. It changes from desperation prayers and elementary prayers and is transformed to reflect something a little more mature. Does that make sense yet? Are you with me? Listen to this. You are not, whoever you are, you're not praying right when your prayers are reflective of things that aren't within God's purpose and plan. I'm pausing for emphasis. I want you to catch this. Listen to 2 Peter 3 and 9. 
Here's what the record says. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. You, you hear it all the time. People say, I've heard all my life that the Lord's coming back, and He hadn't come back yet. That's what it's talking about. The Lord's not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Look at this. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If there is anything that is crystal clear in Scripture, it is that the Lord desires that everyone come to repentance. That would include you, whoever you are, whether you're here live or later, live or live stream. It's God's will that you come to repentance. Beloved, Ezekiel said this over in the Old Testament, chapter 33, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked should turn from their ways and live. And he adds, turn. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. Let me do so by asking you this, just kind of repeating. Isn't it amazing some of the goofy things, some of the goofy, self-centered things we pray about? Pray about this, pray about that. Usually something pretty self-centered. May I suggest to you, biblically speaking, what we need to be praying about is the things of God, obviously. And when you get right down to the nitty-gritty, it would include really probably fundamentally be believers, one and two, coming together and agreeing together about reaching out to people who have yet to hear the good news. In other words, prayers about lost people and prayers about reaching those people, what we call evangelism, reaching out and sharing the good news, the gospel message with others. Can you be challenged to that extent? And I know that's really kind of cutting to the chase, but can you? to find another believer and agree with that believer about our involvement in the lives of those who have yet to discover a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. What a powerful prayer, one that touches the heart of God because God is concerned about lost people. At some point in time, you were lost and He was concerned about you. And His concern did not stop with your salvation with your conversion it continues on god help us to realize that and to become more purposed and resolved to reach out to other people and tell everyone we know that we know jesus can you be challenged to that extent let me pray for you father god i thank you for each one listening in right now and lord i pray that by your word that you would convict us to be about your business not just praying goofy prayers but praying god prayers, God good news, which involves our reaching out to those who are drowning in their sin in order to rescue them or to help in the process of bringing them to Christ. Help us with that. Give us divine appointments in the next hours and days and weeks, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, before I get out of here, my time is nearly gone. I want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of activities. Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. If you're not connected with a local body of believers, whether you're young or old or somewhere in between, you need to be. You need to be connected with the church. Beloved, at some point in time, you are going to need the church. So let me encourage you to connect with a body of believers where worship takes place and fellowship takes place and the Word of God 
is taught. We also have midweek activities, which gives us a chance to uh, celebrate and to participate in the one another commands, loving one another, praying with one another, bearing with one another. We do that on Wednesday. We call it Family Ministries Night, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We'd love to see you. New Life is located at 415 Micah Road here on the outskirts of beautiful Ridgeway, Virginia. If you can find Clarence's Steakhouse, you're almost here. Uh, if you're headed south on 220, you can turn left onto Micah Road, come up Micah Road about a half a mile from Clarence's, and here we are, New Life Community Church. I'm Terry Knight and wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Mm -hmm.